0: Cowrie shells. Cowrie shells. Cowrie shells were used as a form of currency in various parts of the world, including Africa, Asia, and the Pacific Islands. Their use dates back to around 1200 BCE in China. Now, cowrie shells are no longer used as currency, but they still carry an association with money and wealth. In fact, in Ghana, their history is honored on a 20 SETI coin. Now, SETI is the Akan word for cowry, is the unit of currency in Ghana. And the Hausa people of northern Nigeria have a proverb about the shells and their value. It goes like this. Whoever is patient with a cowrie shell will one day have thousands of them. But patience to acquire wealth is not always a model of virtue. And one famous robbery where thieves got away and the money was never recovered was in 1990 it was the 1990 isabel stewart gardner museum heist in baltimore massachusetts in the early hours of march 18, 1990 there were two men who dressed as police officers and they were able to gain entry to the museum they said that they were responding to a disturbance at the museum and once they got inside they overpowered the security guards and proceeded to steal 13 valuable works of art including pieces by Rembrandt, Vermeer and Degas. The total value of that artwork is estimated to be around 500 million dollars making it one of the largest art thefts in history. Now despite numerous investigations and leads the thieves have never been apprehended of the stolen artwork has never been recovered. So what does that tell you about money? Money, is it something you should get away from? Maybe you should get a good job with more pay and maybe that'll make you okay. Or maybe you think money, it's a gas. You're just trying to grab that cash with both hands and make a stash. You could think about new cars and caviar, four-star daydreams. Maybe even you think you'll buy a football team with money. Welcome to the Stephen Thompson Experience. My name is Stephen Thompson and this is my experience. I use history and music to make connections with the goal of informing, educating, and inspiring others to go out and live, serve, love others around them, and hopefully together we can do our part in making this little bit of the world a bit better. Money by Pink Floyd. It was on the Dark Side of the Moon album, which was released in March of 1973. Money in fact, is the only song from Dark Side of the Moon to make its appearance on the Billboard Top 100 list in 1973, where it ranked number 92. And Money is an interesting single. It was the band's first hit in the United States, making the Billboard Hot 100. And the song is all about the bad things money can bring. On the flip side, it may made- Pink Floyd, a lot of money because Dark Side of the Moon has sold over 34 million copies. Now, an interesting fact about money is that if you start Dark Side of the Moon on the third roar of the MGM Lion, money begins just as the film The Wizard of Oz goes into color. Somebody in the 1990s figured that out that when the album sinks very well, to the movie and more and more people got out the word got out about that and some movie theaters even held special screenings where they would play the movie and the album at the same time here's some of the lyrics money get back i'm all right jack keep your hands off my stack money it's a hit don't give me that do good goody B.S. i'm in the high fidelity first class traveling set and I think I need a Lear Jet. A distorted view of money could lead you to believe that wealth, status, and power are meant to be pursued over the service of others. But this wasn't the case with Ida B. Wells Barnett. Ida B. Wells Barnett was a prominent journalist. She was an activist and a researcher. And in the late 19th and early 20th century, over her lifetime, she fought against sexism, racism, and violence. She was a skilled writer. And she was a journalist, and she talked about the conditions of African Americans in the South. She was born in Mississippi in 1862, and she was born during slavery, during the Civil War. When the war ended, her parents became politically active in the politics of the Reconstruction Era. They also instilled in her the importance of education. So she enrolled at Russ College, but she actually got expelled because she started a dispute with the university president. Later that year, she went to visit her grandmother. But while she was there, she discovered that a yellow fever epidemic had spread in her hometown. And that disease killed both of her parents and her infant brother. So now she was left to raise her other brothers and sisters. So she began to teach so she could keep the family together. And eventually she moved her family, her brothers and sisters to Memphis, Tennessee, and she continued working as an educator. Now in 1884, she filed a lawsuit against a train company for unfair treatment. She had been thrown off a first-class train despite having purchased a first-class ticket. Now she won that case. But the ruling was eventually overturned in federal court. Later, after one of her friends was lynched, she turned her attention and her journalism to the subject of lynching. And she wrote a pamphlet that and wrote several columns in a local newspaper that exposed lynching. And it actually upset local officials who burned her printing press and kicked her out of memphis and then she moved to chicago but there in chicago she joined a boycott of the world's Fair exposition and they accused the committee of locking out african americans and negatively portraying the black community and she continued to travel internationally talking about lynching confronting women in the women's suffrage movement who ignored the case of lynching. She was often ridiculed and put off by the women's suffrage organizations, but she remained an active in the women's rights movement. She was one of the founders of the National Association of Colored Women's Club, which she created to address issues dealing with civil rights and women's right to vote. And she was also at the Niagara Falls Convention for the founding of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Later in her career, she focused on urban reform in the city of Chicago until her death. So the story of Ida B. Wells, you know, we don't have a breakdown of her salary or her career earnings. But. You know that she was known for her service to others. Back to the lyrics of the song. Money, it's a crime. Share it fairly, but don't take a slice of my pie. Money, so they say, is the root of all evil today. The lyric makes a reference to 1 Timothy 6.10. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. How does this play out? Now, specifically, it says the love of money is a root of all evil, but some people will say that, well, they don't necessarily love money, but there is something in that. It's the desire to get rich. And it says that the desire to get rich has caused people to wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, how does this play out in our modern day? Well, there was a recent article in Forbes. It was said, 30 under 30 year sentences. Why so many of Forbes young heroes face jail? And the author pointed out various people who were honored for being CEOs under 30 years old, but later are facing jail sentences. So one started a startup called Frank and was described as the Amazon for higher education. And the CEO of that organization was charged with conspiracy to commit bank fraud because they inflated the numbers of the company in order to get JP Morgan to purchase it. Second incident was the founders of FTX were arrested for defrauding investors after bragging about the wealth of the organization. A third example was a pharmacy CEO sent to jail for seven years for security fraud. Another was the CEO of electric truck company convicted of fraud for making it appear that the electric truck worked, but it didn't. So here is the example of eager to get rich. And the author concludes the story by saying this. The problem here is in Forbes, of course. The problem is the vision of success that we've been sold and the fetishizing of youth. 30 under 30 isn't just a list, it's a mentality, a pressure to achieve great things before youth slips away from you. The pressure can lead certain ambitious people to take shortcuts, and in fact, shortcuts are encouraged. Millennials, after all, grew up being told to fake it till you make it, cash in now until you become a withered, irrelevant 30-year-old prune. If you exaggerate a little bit, that's not fraud, that's hustle. Until, of course, the Justice Department comes knocking. So money, the desire to get rich, piercing yourself with, with griefs. You know, money is not neutral. Money is neutral. I want to correct myself. Money itself is neutral. Our perceptions toward money can send us down a road of service or a road of ruin or places in between. Perhaps we experience frustration because we don't have enough and expend a great deal of energy and time working to produce more, or we have an abundance and are afraid of losing it. But what is a positive posture to take around money? Like no further than the book of Proverbs in chapter 30. It says, two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. You'd have to be a spiritual person to take the advice from this proverb, or you could be. Here's what I'm saying. It's positive to be thankful for what we have, but I resolve not to have too much. So it cuts you off from your values, nor too little that you compromise your values. So financial balance is a challenge. For example, at work, sometimes a student will say to me that you're just here for the money. Now, of course, we all work for money. Otherwise, we'd be volunteers. You need money to meet your responsibilities, to pay your bills, your mortgage, your electric bills, your car bills, but you can also use money to serve others. So money isn't your primary motivation for what you do. Money is an idea, a perception that we get to pick. So what perspective of money are you going to choose? Thank you for listening to Stephen Thompson Experience. My name is Stephen Thompson, and this has been my experience. It is my goal and desire to inform, educate, and encourage, and inspire myself and others to create a path towards the goals you set and hope that you want to pass on. Thank you for listening, and see you again soon. I hope and pray that you will be the best version of yourself and that you will find a path through, around, or over the obstacles that come your way. I enjoy history and great music, so go out and listen to Money by Pink Floyd. Check out my website, The Stephen Thompson Experience. I have a newsletter, a blog, links to my novels, and some worksheets to guide you through some exercises to help you manage difficult situations in a positive way. Check them out. Subscribe. See you soon. Have a great one. Good night.